The year is 1988. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to the only podcast that takes you through the origins of Marvel Universe from its origins in the 60s to today. We are currently on the year 1988 in Marvel's publication, and we are on the final part. What are you mumbling about back there? <laughs> Guess. Good Sorry. grief. Come we're, on a show, mumble podcast, over the host's you? intro. What are you, what are you mumbling about? We're not the only show. Did you, you heard about that podcast that... Uh... I think that we have a we have a rival podcast. We have a rival now them, outside I, of the Barstool Network. I wish them the network? best of luck, Gen- genuinely the best of luck to this podcast. But they are doing. We don't. A very whoa, whoa, similar. whoa, whoa! We do not wish the best of luck to our rivals. Let's set some boundaries right now. Oh, I'm I'm following them on Twitter. I'm liking all their tweets. I'm, no. I'm, I'm cheering them on. No. I back them on Patreon. I don't. I don't I walk do- around uh, complimenting my rival arch nemesis CB Sabluski. You can't do this <laughs> with our rival pod. Uh, the 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 funny part to me is this this podcast is doing a similar thing reading through the best comics of marvel from 1962 forward and they're like yeah okay. we're using my marvel's years list <laughs> i just okay. found out about their podcast um so i mean we're they're not, not the they're one, not the Dave. only ones yeah, the, so the my marvelous year lists are quite publicly accessible on comic book technically illegal for you to say we're the only podcast we're gonna get sued by so. other podcasts who uh who also yeah. happen to be reading yeah. through marvels here's the thing we're the first, the best, and the greatest. Okay. I think all well, three of those things are legally. You can say all that. Yes. Of Thank course. you. All right. Ran that by legal. We're good to continue <laughs> introducing the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff, including the original My Marvelous Year, which was a reading club I put together back in 2015, 2016. It is now a reading club and podcast where we are joined by incredible, incredible readers going through all of the Marvel Comics universe with us, including those who support us over here at patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. If you are interested in ways where you can get benefits like full access to the master spreadsheet, which is undergoing updates as we speak, or uh, our exclusive Slack community, where all mm-hmm. of our uh, absolutely amazing patrons who are generous with their, their financial support of the show uh, gather to talk comics and many, many other things. Oh, can I can I just list some of the crazy things happening? Hit me with Slack. some other Slack it's things. Turned, I mean, I, I've mentioned some of this, but it's turned into like a little video game hangout spot. So we play Among Us on the weekends sometimes. We, uh, we play a bunch of multiplayer games. We have a little community of people who all stream and hang out with each other in each other's Twitch streams. Like five D and D groups have spawned out of the the Slack. Five D and D groups. Yeah, I'm I'm in one of them. I'm in two of them actually. And Dang. There, there's at least two others, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh it's very cool and extends well beyond. More like comics. Dungeons and Dang, right? No, because that's a lot no, of them. That's nothing. <laughs> how many how many groups would invite me into their D and D group based on my incredible D and D puns? Let's see. Uh, let me know I, in the Slack, Slackers. Oh, I, I'd, I'd let you into my group, Dave. I don't think... You'd have to play the cleric, though. How 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 rough is it to have a totally new... I've never played D&D before. But obviously, like if you've listened to this podcast before, mm-hmm. you can tell probably two things about me. One, relatively nerdy, I think it's fair to say, right? Probably going to mm-hmm. be into that sort of thing. And then two, insanely quick on my feet with coming up with stories for original mm-hmm. My Marvelous Year <laughs> shared universe heroes and villains, right? Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. So I think given those two things, but anyway, I was going to answer the question, how hard is it for somebody's first time to join a D&D group? Uh, pre- I, it depends on the, I, I think uh, enthusiasm matters, but uh, no, I, th- I think as long as you're like, like you don't want to be like less punches. enthusiasm is probably better. Like the more like low key you are, probably the easier accepted. Yeah, no, no, I think uh, it's it's not that hard to learn. I mean, you gotta you know you gotta show up, you gotta do your work and learn how to play. But like most of the time, you kind of learn on the fly, and everyone learns a little something new every every session. So okay, yeah, do the work, pretty, people. Do the work. Very, well, we're not gonna play D anD D here today. Um, but I've if had, you want to, I've had join offers of uh, people trying to to run our us through a uh, a superhero RPG. I know a good DM. 
I, I personally know a good DM who, like, when the show started, it was like, if you ever want to run me to run you through a superhero RPG. So. Do we have a Patreon bonus spinoff podcast idea in the works right yeah. here? I, I pitched a while back. There's a Secret Wars, I think, RPG from the 80s. Oh, I, I don't sure, know exactly yeah. what you'd call it. But one yeah, of those, yeah. if somebody was like, I'm going to set this up. Give up all your free time. Come play Secret Wars with me. I would do it. <laughs> I don't think I could say. No. I don't think I'm physically capable oh, wow. of saying no to wow. something like that. I didn't know this yet. No, there was a Marvel superheroes role playing game that came out in 1984, and Secret Wars was like a little, uh, like spinoff module of it. Ah, pretty neat. You heard it here first. New potential Patreon goal, and the goal is I'll pay you. I'll pay you all of the Patreon funds that we get <laughs> to set this up because it sounds amazing. Uh, but all right, let's actually get to the the gist of it here, what we do on My World yeah. this year. This is part one, two, three, four, five of our coverage mm-hmm. of 1988, and it is the final part of 1988. We're rapidly approaching 1989 and Inferno. Everything's going to be Inferno over the next couple episodes. Ooh, but boy. today, we're going to talk about some Captain America. We're going to talk about some Iron Man Armor Wars. And then we're going to talk about two patron-added issues. So at the, what is it, the $10 level now? 15 right? 15 At the $15 level a month, which is super generous, you can give us a cool uh, supporting donation, and you can put an issue or a comic book story on the My Marvelous Year list. Now, I'm very uh, protective of the My Marvelous Year list. I've let Zach do one Dean's list. I've yep. proposed a possible second Dean's list. Really, he proposed it, but now I accepted it, so I've also taken it as my idea in doing so. Uh, And we have two Patreon-added issues today, um, which are interesting, actually. There are definitely ones I would not have added and did not add, uh, but they're interesting to talk about. So let's start with Captain America. We read issues 337 to 340, 341, and then 345. So we're jumping around the Grunewald era of Captain America here, starting with issue number 337. Uh, going back to these, I'm reminded that this era of Cap is definitely the most interesting to me, I think, mm-hmm. um, that we've read, period. I mean, I know you liked the J.M. DeMatty's run quite a bit, yeah, uh, which they, is definitely they, better in like my reread You know, of that was yeah. better, definitely, than I remembered it being. Uh, but this Grunewald era is still... It's just so loaded with ideas, and mm-hmm. and it's amazing too because like many issues in Marvel Unlimited do not include the letters pages, um, but these some of these issues do. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna call that out. In, it's in seeing so how fa- people did not like it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like the least surprising thing ever. But it's you know it's that thing mm-hmm. you see in like politics and history all the time where it's like oh they're having the same conversations in a in a presidential debate in 1988 that they're having in 2020, right? Like that sort of thing, um, where it's like surprising if you. If it's new history to you, right? Uh, they're having the same letters fandom reaction in in '88 here to Captain America being quote unquote replaced that fans have today when they're you know when they make uh, any Marvel character you know any legacy edition right any new version of the character whether it's changes that you know and then you layer on because in this case it's a, it's a white guy taking over for a white guy so there's no um, of the you know modern concern of like. You know, Thor is a woman now, or et cetera, et cetera. It could go on and on, right? Um, yeah. And I don't, I'm hesitant to name them because I don't want to spoil them, right? There's a lot. But um, but anyway, you see that with fandom reaction here, just absolutely opposed to this idea of John Walker as Captain America. And it's like, let the stories play out, my people. Let the stories play out because yeah, they're pretty it's, it's good. Been like a year. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Also, I mean, good grief. I mean, I think it's crazy now, especially, but it's like, this is. 28 years, not quite, 26 years removed from the Stan Jack Steve days. Like, you've had a handful of Cap stories, plus Cap runs back to the Golden Age to Simon and Kirby, right? You've had your share of Steve Rogers stories, and dude hasn't even left the title. <laughs> it's still it's still half a Steve Rogers book, right? It's, it's I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I... I don't even know if I, like, need to engage with that, because, like, Steve Rogers is still very, you're right, Steve Rogers is very present here. It's not much of a complaint to me. You know, if it replaced him with something, and it's just like, oh, the spirit of the comic is gone, it's not Captain America anymore, maybe I could see that, but, like, this still feels very much like a Captain America book. Um, It feels like a way more interesting Captain America book, because we have Cap dealing with a government that has cast him aside, 
given him the choice mm-hmm. essentially and then cast him aside right so it reflects a lot of the the political strife and sort of Amer- what does it mean to be captain america right which we talked about when he makes his choice um but it also presents john walker and you know buck aka battlestar which which if you had the opportunity to rebrand from buck and mm-hmm. you were like i can pick any name and you settled on battlestar zach i'd be very disappointed in you I feel like Zach, you had a lot of options. I think you missed. I think you missed on that one. I thought the uh, the conversation between him and uh, I guess a friend of his calling out, you know, that like you being a, a Bucky is, uh, you know, like is beneath you basically, right? Like you're not a child soldier, <laughs> like a, a teenage sidekick, right? You are a full grown man. And also the name Bucky uh, can be like kind of a pejorative in some places which i called out marvel marvel did that for uh had some people call luke cage that a while ago and uh i think i called that out back in the 70s oh really uh, it's interesting yeah because it was just like god i don't remember who it was it was like someone was like who's that big black buck you got around here or something like that and it was like oh god like it was kind of just casually tossed out um, yeah yeah, and uh, yeah, it gets actually. No, they, I actually <laughs> spelled out here. I actually appreciated how that right how they spelled it out because it is that thing of like clearly someone called this out to them. It would yeah. seem they sure. incorporated it into the comic, acknowledging yeah. that's a problem, raising awareness that that's a problem because it is one of those things where like I would not have heard that. I probably would not have known. Sure, that. it's 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 not like incredibly common knowledge. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, just think, I it, think it's fairly effectively done, and it's like a page, and it was you know? a good character moment for the character, right? It yeah, like made, yeah. I, so, so something Grunewald's so good at here is really investing me in these men, mostly, um, like, but really getting me invested in these characters in ways that, like, I don't know, they're they're very simply drawn characters, right? Like, not, none of these are like really darkly dark and nuanced and like well, messy D-man. people, right? So that's the, I was going to say D-Man is the actual example I was going to use because what the, I have no idea what D-Man's thing is. He looks like he's wearing Daredevil's like first costume, but Wolverine's cowl, right? Yeah. Like exactly. It's not even like a joke. Like it looks precisely. Like, I mean, it's I, kind I of a like, joke, but that is, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I feel like I missed something where it was like he was going through like, like someone, a collector of old superhero costumes sold it to him. And it's the joke is that it's those things because it's such a ripoff. But anyway. I, I didn't know anything about him. By the end of 337, I like this guy a lot. And, like, there's not... I don't know his story. He's, a he's like, an old wrestler who uh, has a fortune that he's, like, committing to, to Captain America's cause or whatever. Yeah. But, like, just the, the banter between him and um, Nomad, um, Jack, just really, like, I don't know, it endeared me to the guy and, uh, and made me interested in what's going on with him. Same with John Walker. I mean, I think that's why this run works, is that, like, John Walker, despite being, like, kind of a messy character both in replacing captain america right like you kind of don't want to root for him being mm-hmm. the guy who like fills it but then it, it, I, I guess he does a good job of setting it up so you want to root for these people to succeed right like he, he he sees people trying their hardest and they're all like yeah anxious to anxious to do well and you kind of see that struggle and that feels very relatable to me and, uh, and i feel like just very simple simply drawn relatable struggles um that I, I can really, like, connect to. So, I, yeah, I really liked all the characters here. And John Walker, I think, is just as interesting as, like, Captain America in these issues. Like, I'm just as intrigued by what's going on with him. Um, and Captain America, he's not afraid of making Captain America kind of a jerk here. Um, or at least making the conversation about what Captain America is doing a little nuanced in, like, if he's being stubborn, if his, uh, his refusal to, like actively resist the government trying to shut him down even though they're clearly in the wrong they're like accusing him of beating up the president at some mm-hmm. point and it's like that's obviously not what's happening they're just grinding a political axe against him but he's like yes i'll allow myself to be re- arrested and uh and you know fight it the legal way and then you know later he decides to to arrest tony stark for um armor for breaking War into a facility yeah. uh, the vault prison yeah. which happens in armor wars so there, there is yeah. an armor wars captain america crossover yeah which is of fun. sorts here uh which is so we were at cap first and then we did armor war um mm-hmm. you could frankly go either way with it, it. Uh, real, issues yeah. 340 and 341 kind of crossover but yeah it caps doing so steve rogers cap is doing the thing here where he it's interesting you're right because it's like in the choice He's all about, like, I am true to nothing but the American dream, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And sort of this idealistic definition of what that is, you know? And it's it, the distinction effectively becomes it's not the government, it's the dream, okay? Which I think most people reading Cap can kind of get behind, 
right? And then yep. here in these stories, he's definitely very uh, hardline, like, well, it's the law. And whatever the law says is what I'm going to support, right? Is Which is exactly what he's saying with Tony Stark in, in Armor Wars in terms of like, well, Tony, you broke the law. So even if you're doing things for the right reasons, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, you know, in Tony's estimation, he has seen his armor get in the hands of villains and various entities that he didn't intend for it. He's worried about the danger and the damage that that's going to cause. He's trying to prevent that. But Cap's like, well, doesn't matter. You broke the law. I'm taking you in kind of thing. And I do think that that stance does function at odds with sort of the rationale that he came to previously, where Mm -hmm. you would say like, well, by governmental edict, the law might state like you work for them. Right. And that's the, actually the thing that you fought against. Um, So maybe some hypocrisy there, maybe intentionally, maybe not. Uh, Jack Monroe, I think is calling him out on that more than not. I mean, Jack Monroe sucks like in these comics, like he's a jerk, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, I actually like that. There's a voice um, basically saying like cap, like, you need to fight this. You can't just let this stand. And, and he doesn't voice Jack Monroe just like he is clearly, like, he's not clearly wrong in just being, like, a maniac who's just like, you know, yeah, shoot all those soldiers, Cap, kill them all. You know, like, he, he doesn't right. make him unhinged to make him the voice, you know, the the oppositional voice. Like, there are sometimes Jack does stuff, like, he's fighting a, a supervillain on a cliffside dangling from there, and he knocks the guy off the cliff, and he's just like, yeah, good thing Cap wasn't here to see it. Like, he probably wouldn't have approved my methods. And it's like, yeah, Cap probably wouldn't have, but he had to save his own life. Like it wasn't self-defense, right? Uh, you know, so I did stuff like that. Um, ooh, one thing we can all agree on about Captain mm-hmm. America is when mm-hmm. he shows up, gets off that motorcycle. It's the first time his friends have seen him in six months. He is looking like a snack. That beard, and I love that. It's so <laughs> I love funny because it's like in- intensely blonde beard. It is I mean, it's, it's the exact shade of blonde as his hair, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's all one color palette, but, like, damn, looks good. Looks good. Bearded Cap is should have stayed around for mm-hmm. much longer. I, I know. They, they talk about it. He's just like, oh, I couldn't. I, I was too busy exploring America and finding myself to uh, to worry about my appearance. I probably look pretty awful, and it's like, ah, Captain America, you're You also want to know <laughs> a good way again. to know that you have the best friend is hmm. uh, when you... Your Falcon, Demolition Man, Jack Monroe, when you're all hunting for him, you're trying to find him, and you see a motorcycle off in the distance, and then that motorcycle pulls off, and the rider does a full-on front flip off the motorcycle to land in front of you to casually <laughs> greet you. That's and how you know like, you found yourself a real friend. All of them are like, woo, he still got it! <laughs> <laughs> like, so cool. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's great. I do love them all, you know, looking for Steve. I actually quite like his black and, and red new costume. Yeah, um, it's, it's good. Someone we're going to talk about in our wars, like, a... like the significance yeah. of a new costume, but I do like Caps. And, like, there's clear significance, meaning, like, he's not officially, you know, the, the Captain America right now. Yeah. Yeah, and it works in the way that, like, I, I don't know, like, if you were like, yeah, this is Captain America's costume for the all of the 80s, I'd be like, well, I miss the old one. But, you know, knowing that it is story significant right it's not just like a marvel mandate to redesign and make it sexy for the kids or whatever like um i I think that that helps me like you know i really like this um let's so issues 340 and 341 are those are like pretty full-on armor wars tie-ins i think honestly like unless you have super specific cap stuff to say there um we could probably save them the majority of the conversation for armor wars i do like to call out with those there's a really good structural approach that Grunwald that, and... That's all okay. I was going to say, yeah. too. Yeah, the, no, the it's, three, it's really smart. Like, in, So we have pencils here by Karen Dwyer, uh, inks by L. Milgram. And the structure of giving us Steve Rogers stories and uh, Serpent Society stories, and because we get a lot of Serpent Society build-up, is a, a kind of a new... Um, I don't even want to call them the supervillain cells. I mean, we, we've seen them before a few times. Newly Back, refurbished, like, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and did you recognize that woman who took over the Serpent Society? Uh, from, well, uh, from Viper back in the... shows mm-hmm. up. Do you Is remember her from about? back in, like, Steranko days? Oh, yeah, yeah. I Viper's remember, like, a big, big Hydra player. Yeah, I remember her from back in, like... Yeah, she was she was one of the first, like, non-faceless um, Hydra people that uh, that came to the forefront back and I were just I think I only remember it because Steranko drew her so cool because that like pale white skin and the green lips and green hair. Yeah. No, it definitely stands out from that era. Yes, yeah, so you get Viper showing up, but then you get all the good snakes as well, including Diamondback who is going to be a player in the cap run. Um but yeah, then you also get I probably most essentially <clears throat> definitely most interestingly to me is John Walker stories. 
uh, about him trying yep. to fill the shoes of Captain America. And like you mentioned, like John Walker starts like kind of your dime a dozen Captain America antagonist. And then throughout this, he becomes the new government instituted Captain America. He gets the shield. He gets the costume. He has to train to try to be like Cap. And increasingly, he just keeps learning like what it means to be Captain America is no small thing, right? He's gaining a lot of respect, actually, for what Steve Rogers had to do, not only in terms of the job, because he's faced some serious threats, especially the watchdogs that we read previously, um, but also just like the weight of being Cap in everyone's estimation is the thing, you know? So yeah. uh, the John Walker sequence, which builds up to 345, which is a pivotal issue for that character, I think is like kind of shockingly well done. Like his yeah. character development over the course of the story is... It's pretty amazing because it really, you know, he has, he still has like opinions and viewpoints in a history that make him less likable, but then Mm -hmm. that's balanced against his very earnest, like desire to actually do good for his country, you know? Um, So it's, he he becomes a fairly interesting character and then 345 becomes a, a very literal breaking point where it's like, okay, he can't, he can't stay Captain America after this. It just won't work. Yeah, well, his parents his parents get kidnapped by the uh, the same the Watchdogs, right? Is that yeah? Which was the like white supremacist group we've seen that he confronted earlier, like in a, an earlier batch of comics. And they we were trying to uh, lynch his partner, the African American, yeah. uh, not Bucky now, the Battlestar. Yep, and uh, this time they try to hang him in front of his parents. He breaks free, but in the fight, his parents get gunned down really brutally. Like yeah. his elderly parents, and he uh, he just goes wild and kills all of them. Like he just slaughters all of them, and uh, I'm I'm like, I was bummed we stopped reading here, right? Like I was, I'm so invested in him. Like I'm really like, I really want to read what happens next with him. Which is, I, I gotta say, like even if I'm really enjoying the comics, very, it's very rare that I finish a comic and I'm like, ooh, I want to read the next issue because I want to find out what happens. Yeah. Like even with like Miller, like where I loved Miller stuff, he didn't have that like I need to like see where this story goes. It was just like these comics are excellent issue by issue so like it is it's very rare for me to get hooked in that kind of like one more issue thing and uh he really got that momentum yeah and i think that the interesting thing about john walker and kind of tying what you just said together with what we started the conversation with is when you do the new version of a character like this or a legacy Mm -hmm. version you can break them a little more you know what i mean like when you supplant you can't do a steve rogers story where his parents are gunned down brutally like this for a whole host of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, even like within the characters that are around and available, that even that becomes difficult, whether it's because you want those characters to be kept around for later, whether because, you know, Tony Stark can only have so many one-off girlfriends murdered before his eyes before it becomes a really stale trope, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. With John Walker, you can do this thing. He's a new character, and you can kind of break him like this. Um, and kind of see what happens, and the story becomes a lot more interesting result. I would say, Zach, to your point, uh, keep. I would recommend people who are feeling that same sort of like, wow, this is memorable, and I, I think it really is, um, that they keep reading because otherwise, we're we're not going to read every issue of this yeah. in the club. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're this, taking this is it, a run, I got to pick up and like do the whole the whole run of because three thirty two to like three fifty one is what I identified initially as like the captain, like the choice arc. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Grunwald is on the title for a bazillion years, so you don't necessarily want to read all of it, but that these, these specific issues, I think, are well worth it. Yeah, yeah pretty good stuff. And uh, and then, like, another comic that feels very similar, and I don't think coincidentally, because... Um, oh, no, this is not Grunwald. This is uh, Michelini on Iron Man. Well, but right? Grunwald's the editor on Iron Man, I should say. So do, they, they have a very similar here. tone to it. Don't you feel that? Like, they're, they're pacing in the kind of, like... the, the yeah. The level of stakes that they're operating at, which I think is like very rooted in the the like the individual men's sense of pers- or um, responsibility, and uh, in their like struggles to be like good people, right? Like, which I think is always engaging way more than like the machinations of villains, right? Like villains right. are around, but they are like I don't think it's a coincidence that most of these comics are using like kind of B and C tier villains. Like he's not pulling out red well, skulls there's a big and Mandarin in two twenty five Iron Man. That? Oh, he battles Stiltman for a couple of pages. <gasps> God, so there's a I really think... big A-lister in there. Thank you, thank you for reminding me. Good two pages, okay, so, right? Yep. Yeah, there's those pages are hilarious because Stiltman's just like, ah, oh, no security systems because no one expected me to rob the seventh floor. <laughs> yeah, which is That's not great. actually that high. Let's be clear. 
right yeah that's, that's pretty funny and then uh and then iron man just walks up and like tilts one of his legs and he topples over like iron man does nothing except just like oh you're pretty top heavy huh Whoop. And well then... it's not that easy though because what is still man got under his stilts <laughs> he's got Incredible. jetpack the way that he just goes like you know all right i guess i have to leave my stilts behind and pew, pew. <laughs> they pop yeah. off and he flies away yeah that's that's all really good the part that i really loved is at the beginning of two 225 Iron Man has this, like, he's got this big page where he, it shows all the um, the villains that use armor. He's, like, trying to think of all the villains that use armor that might be using his technology. Right? Yes. Because that, that's the whole crux of this, is his technology, he's, he finds out his tech has been stolen by Justin Hammer, and it he's worried about it being distributed around the world, right? And yes. so he thinks about all these different villains that use it, like the Beetle, and uh, what, the Commander, and Doctor Doom, Controller, um, Doctor Doom, and Stiltman's in there, and then yes. later, <laughs> he's like, uh, what is it, so, somebody is missing, there's, there's like one name he doesn't have, and he's looking at a list of all the like armored villains, and he has a list there, and like Stiltman's down there on it, and it's just like, these are all villains who have caused immeasurable pain and suffering to innocent people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Stiltman, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. All those poor people That's... he stomped on, apparently. Uh, yeah, on right. one of his helicopter but heists. I, I'm pretty pretty sure it's more just like that he uh, you know he, he made them slip in his leg grease that uh, that he leaves puddles of everywhere. Somebody, he goes. I mean, listen, a a view from the ground of one of Stillman's rampages is probably a different uh, a different perspective entirely. But yeah, you're right. I I do like you calling out the similarities between Armor Wars and the Captain America stories we read because I, I place them together. In the, in the podcast conversation, primarily because, like, I, they're both Avengers and we'll read Avengers books together, typically, where we can. Um, but you're you're definitely right that, like, both of them kind of have to work in a, not, not even anti-hero, but in a capacity that is outside of their government-approved Avengers status. Obviously, Captain America very directly, but Tony Stark especially here, where he's like, I can't trust anyone. The government's using my armor here in the vault in the prison for their guardsmen. So, like, those are, like, prison yeah. guards, which Iron Man is on the side of in his Avengers role. But here he's like, I'm going to go and fight you and take this technology. And that's where Captain America steps in, like we talked about, and says, I can't let you do this. Because actually, in Tony's efforts to prevent this potential future outcome of people misusing his armor, he breaks into the prison and a few prisoners escape during his attempt. So, like, he does let loose, like, Titania. And um, uh, there's a few others Hyde. that I'm blanking Hyde on. and... Uh, Doctor, yeah, yeah, Hyde. Oh, and Armadillo, who's, like, pretty funny. Love, love me, Armadillo. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, so, like, it is kind of that classic Tony thing of he does whatever he wants, and mm. there are consequences and mistakes that are made that then lead to more damage, right? And then that's him trying to, to you know, course correct and prevent it from happening in the future, which is very much what Armor Wars is to begin with. He created this he, thing. You keep calling it Armor Wars. It's Stark Wars. It's Stark Wars. <laughs> I don't know why you're it calling it. It has been rebranded. It has been rebranded since. It is called in these comics Stark Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a worse all name. I'm gonna call. <laughs> yeah, it is. Armor Wars is, is much better. <laughs> yes. Stark Wars should involve Arno Stark, uh, or they cannot be Stark Wars. Uh, but Armor Wars just means, yeah, his tech is being misused. Tony goes on a hunt. I mean, mostly this is him just looking for armored people who are using uh, what might be his designs and trying to shut him down. And it all kind of builds up to this moment of him um, seemingly dying and Tony Stark playing uh, for about half a page. Of being like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Iron Man no more it, you know? And all right, yeah, that, they think that, they think Iron Man's dead. Like it doesn't, I, that doesn't sell at all. I don't yeah, think. no, not even a little bit. I yeah. was excited to see him get the new, get the new old armor back because yes. that new stuff just looks well, like trash. And so I was gonna, time. I did want to ask you. So like, okay, so Armor Wars, it's a story by David uh, Michaelini, Bob Layton, uh, Mark mm-hmm. Bright. Um, it, I, it's a big Iron Man story, right? If you know yeah. Iron Man, classic Iron Man stories from. The 70s and the 80s, you probably know Demon in a Bottle. You probably know maybe Doom Quest, which we're coming to, and uh, Armor Wars. Like, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually particularly special. It's a good concept. It's, it's a really good I, concept. I, yeah, I don't think the actual, yeah. like, six issues are that no, interesting. Whereas it, Demon in a Bottle, I, we were both like, yeah, this is really good, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's quite as good as Demon in a Bottle. But, you know, I, I think what I liked about it um, maybe is just that... I mean, I enjoyed reading each issue. Like, I was into this story, and I okay. was like, yeah, I like, I really, I liked this, this, this level of stakes works for me. Like, this is where I'm generally pretty happy, right? Like, it's the, the, the big bombastic stuff, even, 
even comics that are probably operating at this level but are dealing with like much huger cosmic stakes and you know x-men basically um like just it, you, it you don't like making my eyes right. glaze over yeah exactly so <laughs> the um the, this like i i think what stands out about this is it feels like the beginning of something for tony stark and maybe that is a little bit That's of bringing true. back That's my true. knowledge it feels like the beginning of that like Hey, you're a weapons manufacturer, and what you do has consequences, and that's yeah. gonna like leak out into the world. Yeah, and you can't just keep controlling it, and you can't just keep putting out these fires because the beginning of this, like, what I really loved about this arc, and it was seven issues, um, was that like each issue that went by, it did feel like every issue you just had the sense of like this is not gonna work out. Like, this, you're not going to be able to do this without consequences, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is going to blow up in your face, and it did, right? Like, he ends this with, like, Stark Industries has been seriously damaged by Hammer. He had to pretend to fire Iron Man, and, like, Iron Man got fired from the Avengers, right? Like, things kept going bad, and I feel like that sense of tension was built in right from the beginning, and it's one of these things where it's, like, it's that, that screenwriting thing of it felt, like, surprising but inevitable. Like, each yeah. of those twists and turns felt like that for me Um, and what's cool about it too is like it's all self-inflicted like nobody made nobody asked tony to do this everyone's telling him to made him do it like yeah yeah yeah. like nobody said nobody caught the armor defect you know or or his armor being stolen he he found it and then he decided to do all of these things so yeah you're totally right the other piece i was gonna ask is like so armor wars ends with this big tony says i'm not gonna be Man anymore than this firepower Nothing is running around destroying things. He's like, hmm, probably should be Iron Man again. So he rebuilds a new armor, right? And it's it's like yep. you said, it's kind of back to that origin moment of like, I got to make some new armor. And there's a big splash page of his new classic red and gold look. I love it. I love the return because I didn't like the costume too much. At the same time, if a story's best moment is a costume change, I think that's kind of a letdown of a story. And I feel like we've seen that with Iron Man maybe more than anyone. Like mm. Iron Man number 200 does the same thing. I think where like everything around the story is a buildup to like what new armors Tony's going to build. And I think that yeah, trope is maybe. getting really tired. I um, guess I didn't, I, I didn't know. read it's, that it's as like the new arm. I, I was excited just to see the new armor because I was tired of the old one, but it was not yeah. exciting in like, yeah, like a hell yeah moment. It was more just like, it, it felt, um, I, I, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess he does like come back rebooted and he's like, I'm now more powerful than ever. So yeah, I guess so. It, it didn't, it, that didn't really bother me, but I also, you know, it didn't like, I mean, I'm not stuff. immune to the <clears throat> significance of a costume change, you know, like yeah. Spider-Man in the 2000s shows up in his black costume, you know, mm-hmm. from historical precedents that that has some significance, right? So that there are things like that where I'm, it can have an effect. I just think with Iron Man, it becomes like the focus in a way that, um, I don't know. I just don't really care about it's not something i'm mm-hmm. super invested in as a reader but like you said there's plenty more to this um I, I think armor wars is probably overrated in terms of its awareness uh as far as being like one of the most well-known iron man stories kind of period yeah, but it's I, again I a good like, concept I, I, I do kind of balk at the idea of like hey this is not consequential so maybe it's not as important right because that that is what like the mutant massacre gets like this is important for continuity and that's why it's like beloved when, like, at best, it's some, you know, middle-of-the-line quality X-Men comics that just have some, like, significant happenings. You said, at middle, it's the best X-Men comic you've read? Was that the order at, of those words? At, at be- no, I mean, even, even you think, like, like Mutant Massacre <laughs> is, like, yeah, it's good, right? Like, it's not, like, this oh, outstanding, yeah. incredible sure. I mean, event, but, right? like, like I, I think Armor Wars is it, part of its appeal. I, I mean, it's true for a lot of stories. Like, part of Demon in a Bottle's appeal is it's a moment— it has consequences. Yeah. Tony is an alcoholic from that point forward, as established in Marvel canon. I mean, from Armor Wars standpoint, it's a little less direct in terms of like changing the character, but certainly in this moment, it establishes the idea of Tony's designs getting misused by a, a whole host of Marvel Universe characters in a way that makes him. These are concepts that will get reemployed in various ways yeah. throughout Marvel I, history. I think so like, it has a legacy. Yeah, I'm more interested. <clears throat> I mean, one, I'm always more interested in just like is this comic good, then is it important, right? And that, like, is what makes it have a legacy for me. Like, want, you know, think that, like, why it should have a legacy, because these are just enjoyable and well-crafted comics. But then, two, I think what uh, being, like, important in the long run and having a legacy, like, 
I am more interested in people who have ideas that like will trickle down yeah. and like whole shifts than literal plot points. I mean, I think that's something I really buck against with all this X-Men we're reading is people keep talking to me about how like key these comics are. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, a, it's a bunch of stuff that happens, but I don't like reading it. <laughs> right? Like I'm not enjoying reading these X-Factor comics, regardless of how like, we're not even talking about X Factor this issue. I know. Get but off like, your tiny horse. But compared horse. to like you know Miller's Daredevil, Jungle Action, right? Those like Black Panther yeah, the things two which best are so ones. influential, right? Like Jim <laughs> Jim Starlin's entire cosmic work, right? All this stuff where the what's important about those is not necessarily the actual literal plot that it brings forward, but the way that it like transforms the like the 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 way that people that creators come at these characters in the future in the way that like these characters are viewed overall. Right. I mean, like, I hear what you're saying, but you're also, the two things are pretty intertwined. Like if a story happens to be fantastic, there's a much better chance that it also becomes quote unquote important. Frank Miller's yes, daredevil yeah, yeah, is yeah. the daredevil text that everyone has responded to since. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like every yeah, daredevil no, story yeah, since that point is playing different. off of what he did. So there's a huge legacy there. That's not why I like it though. Right. Um, but it's, it's a part of the Marvel tapestry. I think uh, rage of the Panther is actually a good example in the sense that I actually New don't one. think it does because I mean, it pre- got so overlooked for was... so long. Yeah, I mean, Priest was definitely, like, looking at that when he was doing his work, but it's yeah. not, like, it is not a straight one-to-one, like, all right, let me pick up where that left off and go, you know, he's he's starting fresh and using some of that uh, as inspiration, but not Yeah, I mean, but I lot. think yeah. in, in cases where, and you can almost say the same about some of Starlin's cosmic stuff, too, because it is, like, with the exception of when Jim Starlin decides to pick up those characters again, other yep. people don't really do it, and because the characters aren't picked up again, it's kind of kind of a moot point. Um, at least it was throughout the 80s, but obviously yeah, that'll well, change. That, that will change after, like, the Infinity Wars, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity, whatever the first So the Starlin sequence that's coming up, and we can talk yeah. about this because we're almost at 1990, oh, is we're so going to hit Thanos Quest. Yeah. We're going to oh. hit, actually, we're, first oh. we're going to hit Silver Surfer Rebirth. Oh. Then we're going to hit Thanos Quest. Then we're going to hit Infinity Gauntlet. Then we're going to hit Infinity Wars. And then we're going to hit the one. best of them all, Infinity Crusade. I stopped it in Infinity Wars or War Wars, whatever, whatever the first one is. Ooh, uh oh, I get him confused now. No, it's Infinity War. I keep saying the plural one, and that is the shameless, hate that. shameless 2018 cash grab. Hate that, hate that kind of Comics. like titling of just adding an S to something, like because we have that later with Secret War and Secret Wars, right? Drives me nuts. Nobody's confused by it though, so yeah. <laughs> it must have worked. Must yeah. have worked brilliantly. What a what? Let's see what titles we haven't had Civil Wars yet in uh, mm. marvel um mm-hmm. i'm trying to think we haven't what other ones they just did civil war 2 which is somehow what even if, worse and lazier <laughs> it is what if avengers versus x-men became avenger versus x-man right go the other way <laughs> that could be a good one i'll start it's, making it's, a video it's just like wonder man and banshee are fighting <laughs> it's like the, we're gonna label this as an event yeah speaking uh, of x-men events we have a patron edition me. here Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> of, well, I thought uh, you were of, moving into Punisher graphic novel, and I was like, that's not... Do you want to do that first, or do you want to do New Mutants? <laughs> no, no, we no, whatever. That, that's fine. Let's do the New Mutants. Yeah. Okay. We have New Mutants number 64 was added by a backer here, Zach. Who was this added by? This was Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Long, t- long time Slack member. Uh, he's in my, my D&D group every month. Almost night. too long. Good, Almost too long, good. we would argue, mm. but definitely, <laughs> uh, I'll say just long enough. Thank you, Aaron, for your generous support. Great guy. Support. Very good friend, Aaron. Uh, thank you for the backing and the addition. Because this is this, Dave, Louise Simonson, lover, always loved her writing, never had a bad thing to say about you know, her. No, I was gonna say was... I did want to I did want to bring up. You've obviously been extremely critical of her writing on yeah. uh, X Factor, yep. and I think her New Mutants is a lot better. Um, yeah, I so I I've Even, you know for X Men yeah. purposes, I read. I've read basically everything as we're going through this again, but I'm especially interested in rereading like the full year's worth of stuff from X Factor and New Mutants um, because those series I haven't read as much of as the Claremont stuff in the past. And I think the New Mutant stuff in 88 is really good. Like the post-Fall of the Mutant stuff, they're following up very directly on what happened in Fall of the Mutants for the team, which is the death of Doug Ramsey. Okay, Mm -hmm. you have Magneto increasingly, so he's the headmaster of the school, but he's increasingly removed and angry with the students because they won't listen to him. They keep bailing. They keep running away. He's furious they keep leaving because bad stuff, like the death of a student, happens. Um, But it's just, it's this interesting framework. And then while all that's happening, 
over the course of this year, you have what it's really an Ileana Rasputin book about magic and her build as we get closer and closer to the Inferno event. So, like, there's a lot going on here that's good. And I just think, I think Simonson's voice here, it fits the young. I think that's why she's on Power Pack for such a long yeah. time, too, is like yeah. she fits young characters better. I think she has a better voice for that than for she sure. does I mean, I've, I've for the thought. O5 X-Men, who are kind of boring in in this era anyway, you know? I don't know if yeah. that's her fault or what, but it, there yeah. are others involved who don't necessarily have a lot better luck with those characters either, you know? Yeah, agreed. And, and Brett Blevins art really, like, elevates things here. Like, great. I love... He's got love an interesting art. ability to make... It makes the New Mutants super cartoonish, but also young... But then too sexualized for being so young looking, you know, sometimes like there it's a sure. weird well, Li- bouncy Ili- blend. Ileana is the one who who gets like too sexualized every time she switches to her dark child form. It's I mean, like, it's every it's time a, I'm just like, right. she's when 12, you're really come on <laughs> when your demon armor is is, you know, sexy cosplay. Right. And you're mm-hmm. definitely too young <laughs> to be wearing yeah. it. That I don't know how you. You just you don't design armor like that. I guess is how you pull that off. Um, but yes, issue sixty four in particular. Uh, this is written by Louis Simonson, art by Brett Blevins. We got inks by Terry Austin, colors by Glennis Oliver, letters of course by Tom Morzakowski. It's called the Resurrection of Cipher. So we saw Doug Ramsey die in Fall of the Mutants, and this is the funeral issue for Doug. It's really and, just a funeral, yeah. Yeah, and it features all of the new mutants kind of responding and reacting to Doug's death in different ways. So you have, for example, like Rain Sinclair is she was the one who Doug jumped in front of to stop the animator's bullet. Um, So she's feeling extremely torn up about this. She's replaying the moment over and over in the danger room. Yeah, what a a, like interesting way of like having, you know, using this X-Men trope, right? Or this like mechanic in the comics to like revisit trauma, right? And like that she keeps replaying the scene and like, trying to like she's playing it out that he doesn't die and like they like laugh at the end of this battle together because they were successful and it's like the way she's trying to rewrite history well and for all the for all the talk of like all the drama in x-men comics and the fact that they're feared and hated which is sold effectively in in a lot of stories um not a ton of x-men actually die like actually die right like gene gray's death is a big moment at this in this era of Marvel when it happens in the Phoenix saga because that doesn't happen a ton, right? They're threatened and they're threatened and they get like Mutant Massacre leaves a ton of them like really messed up, right? But they don't faceless, actually get taken off the board. Yeah, so a new mutant yeah, actually it's literally dying. What Jean Grey and Doug, right? Like and Jean Grey's uh, already back. I mean we're probably forgetting one. I I'm just off yeah, the top there of my head, like I don't some, know, but some C tier people or something. But. Sure. Well, I mean uh, uh James Proudstar. Or not James, John Proudstar. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, we gotta we gotta give a shout out but um yeah so dog is is the only new mutant though who has yeah. suffered this fate and that's obviously kind of even harder to swallow because you know they're kids um so yeah and, and warlock handles this probably the worst of everyone because again warlock is this alien entity from the technarch and he doesn't understand death you know so it's kind like of, watching this little kid in a life yeah exactly yeah it's, it's like a you know a six-year-old trying to like explain to a six-year-old which is tough means. stuff and like and doug yeah. too is like it's his best friend right yeah. so he's he's like he doesn't get it and he loves Doug more than anyone, so it's like you know it's this hard thing to swallow. Um, he tries to resurrect him, you know. He kind of tries God, to bring a, Doug a back. Harrowing it sequence, like yeah, what an upsetting sequence because he he literally he breaks like big cartoony smile on his face, big Looney Tune smile breaks into the funeral home, mm-hmm. steals Doug's corpse, like embalmed corpse, and starts like floating around the city with it, and like decides like the way to resurrect Doug is to show him like all the people who love him. So he just like has Doug's body hovering outside his mother's window while she, like, weeps over his death. Really upsetting. Also, you know, no we one ever, like, We don't get this, a lot of follow-up on Doug's mom, but I know, this, talk this about is trauma. one case where I was like, where is Xavier <laughs> to, like, wipe a mind right now? Because this is, this is like, Seriously. one of the few cases that really would be like, please erase those memories. Like, yeah. God, that's really upsetting. And then he does the same thing to Rain, um, who would actually, like, in an interesting twist, helps her kind of deal with it, right? Like, it kind of helps her make it real in the way that she, like needs to explain to Warlock what's going on, right? But, yeah. like, he literally bursts in her room and just, like, plops Doug's body down on the carpet. Um, and in her, like, explanation of it, you know, she kind of comes to terms with what's happening and learns to accept it. And they, and then it turns into, like, it's weirdly, like, an 80s teen comedy where they're, like, sneaking into the funeral parlor to, like, put his body back. And they have yeah. to, like, hide under the coffin. Like, the tones are... It's weird, because I, I think, like, the tones get balanced pretty well, though. And something, like... I. I it's yeah, I didn't think it felt askew. I mean, because it's, yeah. it's not it's not trying to do horror too hard. Some of no, the stuff Warlock's doing yeah. is just horrific. 
you yeah. know um but it's not mm-hmm. like trying to be demon bear saga or something yeah. it's not um but yeah i mean i think as single issues go like it's pretty effective i i would recommend if you enjoy this or just think like if you're more of a new mutants fan in general um read more from this year because from here i i think i might have my order wrong but like iliana really she's reacting to fall of the mutants too yeah. so we get yeah. her take on hey the x-men died and it's forge's fault and she lashes mm-hmm. out at forge in some really interesting stuff and then just her character development throughout this era is is super important um, I, so yeah, I, wanna, I was I wanna, glad this was included. I was, I mean, I read yeah, this anyway, yeah, this but was, like, I, I'm glad awesome. we got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I just want to call out over at Comfort Food Comics. Do you know that site? Uh, yeah, um, I do. Run by or, uh, Dave Shelvin, Shevlin, Shevlin. He wrote a, a thing today ranking every X Men crossover event. And I was reading through this, and I just hit me, hit, just, me, hit me with that list. This this cracked me up because uh, he's talking about Fall of the Mutants. And uh, Louise and Walt Simonson just making the sweetest married music together, operating at the height of their grand powers, giving us the arch archangel death and apocalypse story they've been building towards. Every reread, every reread, I appreciate how damn good this is. It's some of the highest art this medium has ever produced. I'm surprised you still Whoa! have a computer to read that off. I'm surprised you didn't throw <laughs> no, it I out com- your window I, into no, the trash. I re- no, I retweeted him and complimented. It's a great, it's a great write up. He did, he did a good job of it. But like, where I, did he rank it? What is Fall Mutants in between? Hit me. Uh, he didn't give me. He doesn't do numbers. He's just uh, like giving. I thought you said it was every one. crossover ranked. I don't know. He does say rank. He says ranks, but he does not like put them in uh, in any. Kind well, of what order. It, what items are what name story names are they in between? What kind um, of ranking is this? What kind of scam oh, are they I running? It, I guess it's food? at the top. Okay, you you want? Oh no, he guess it's pretty high up. Um, all right, here, uh, here. I'll give you number one as Guardians War. I think this number is- one. Good for you, Dave. Yeah. Okay. As Guardians War, Age of Apocalypse, X of Ten of Swords, X of Swords, Three Messiah Complex, Inferno, Executioner Song, Second Coming, Necrotia, Age of X, Days of Future Present, Extinction Agenda, Fall of the Mutants. La- so he's Fall of the Mutants last. No, and then a million more. Like last oh, okay. place is okay, like okay. Eve of Destruction. I didn't know Reckoning, if you stopped there. Yeah, yeah. Black that's Vortex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, every, <laughs> okay, go check okay. that out. It's the first thing I've read on Comfort Food Comics, and uh, it was really good. It was a lot of fun. Even you know when I like was like, this makes me feel like a crazy person. <laughs> that this is the finest. I mean, uh, you are work. a little bit crazy. Although the, the highest, problem, the problem the with your brand of crazy here is, I do created. kind of agree. Um, in that, <laughs> I, know, I think yeah. the I think the Simonsons on X Factor doesn't do it for me in the way that I thought it would. That that's kind of the thing with New Mutants. I was surprised to be like, oh, I, I like her stuff better on New Mutants. Like, which is, you know, because I thought Walt Simonson, I like his Thor so much more than you. Um yeah. I was like, well his presence on X his presence on X Factor does not elevate that book no. in the way that I hope yeah. that it would. Um I have to say. Like they you know, it's like they don't do big wild stuff in the way that Thor does, you know? And uh, visually, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's it's a little too stock and trade. I, I think it's better than you do, but I'm not a huge fan either. So, all right, let's talk about something else. I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, this is the Punisher Assassins Guild. This is an original graphic novel. It's in fact Marvel original graphic novel number forty. This is written by Joe Duffy, art by Jorge Zafino, and Julie Michael Colors with letters by Jim Novak. Um, we haven't talked about a good old Marvel graphic novel in uh, in a hot minute. Alusia. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. You'll be back soon, you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell. You'll remember that I loved you well. Oceans rise. Empires fall. Hello. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the la- did you hear the last thing I said? I, I basically I, just set it up for you uh, by saying um, we haven't read a Marvel graphic novel in a while. Okay. Tr- that's true, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let me see. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been it's been a minute, but um, I, I I like this. This was fun. This was added by Justin, another longtime Slack member. Very thank you, Justin. Uh, yeah, very um, active in the Slack. He plays Among Us with his six or seven year old son in uh, in the Slack, and it is a highlight of uh, <laughs> of playing that game. It's very adorable to be killed by a seven year old, and you hear him over Discord being like, Haha, "I got him! I'm the imposter." <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah. So uh, this is Punisher. What what is the name of this? Sorry, I had a Assassin's I had a, Guild. 
Graphic Thank novel you. number 40. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it sure is an 88 Punisher graphic novel, I think. I, I <laughs> like this because we, we just it's read fine. Some, yeah, we read some uh, the, the other Punisher, and, like, this at least... I, I don't, you know, I neither love nor hate Punisher. I'm, like, Punisher ambivalent most of the time. Like, some of the... Co- like, I liked... I, I think I said that that last batch we read were, like, good comics really well done comics about something I don't care about, you know, it was like yeah, about a boring sure. story. Um, this I actually think had some like interesting like an interesting premise, right, in that like the Assassin's Guild, literally I think they're just called I like this Assassin's concept, Guild, yeah. Yeah, are are running in this town and it's it's like run out of a, a Chinese restaurant. Uh, and it's a family of assassins and they take jobs depending on whether they want to or not, right? Like they they decide who to take jobs from whether they're like their cause is just so they mm-hmm. have some kind of like moral code to it and it's about punisher like initially being like yeah i'm gonna shut them down like if they're they're operating so low like i have to shut this place down and then realizing that they're literally doing the exact same thing he is so like right. begrudgingly working with them and getting into this like love affair with uh reiko one of the uh, the lead assassins um, yeah, it's good. I, I actually, I thought this would have been, like, a fun concept to run with for a long time, like, Punisher working with, because eventually he just kind of starts working with them, and I think, like, him working in a more organized, like, the, like, the loner Frank Castle thing, I think, kind of gets boring, to see, to seeing him, like, bounce off other people, um, was, uh, was interesting, and yeah, people, like, throwing his, his hypocrisy in his face was, you know, good, and having him, like, be questioned. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I don't mind... I don't mind the idea of Punisher, like, joining a guild. I actually think it's kind of good. It goes against his kind of mantra of, yeah, being this solo gritty man who does everything himself, you know, with the exception of help from Microchip. Um, I'd be curious, again, because I'm not a huge Punisher fan, how mega Punisher fans feel about this graphic novel. Because for my money at this point, like, I liked Circle of Blood. I Mm like those five issues. I think there's some quite good stuff in that, especially the Mike Zek art. Um, but then it's like to find a Punisher story. I mean, I like Miller's use of Punisher and Daredevil, right? I think those stories are really good. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm kind of like that's my '80s Punisher. Like that's those are the two things I would read. And then I mean, there's plenty of '90s Punisher I have not read, you know, because Punisher becomes a big old deal in the '90s. But for yeah. me, it's like then I'm jumping to Ennis and Dylan. Welcome yep. back, Frank. Before yeah, I'm super which, interested in a Punisher story again, which I quite and like. This is my own bias, you know, kind of with the character, but like that's that's kind of how I feel. This didn't do anything to change that for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me neither. It didn't make me like, yeah, I guess I'm a Punisher guy now. But <clears throat> I did, I did enjoy this. I, your your music. sweater with the skull on it is is saying something else, Zach. That is telling another story. And I am wearing a Punisher uh, balaclava over my face every time we record, right? Just with a skull on my face. And you um, and you did say, call me James Maxwell. And I said, Zach, no, I'm going to call you Zach. And he said, no, call me by my alias, James Maxwell. <laughs> uh, did you read Reiko as being way too young for Frank? Because I did. No. Oh, no, I, I got that she was, you know, I don't know, 30? A consenting like adult? Okay, that's yeah. better. No, I, di- I didn't get, like, teenage vibes off her. Maybe I missed that. It, this, I also read this, like, a week and a half ago. So maybe that was there and I just uh, I missed it. But yeah. um, I did want to point out, just because it's a little rare at this time, this is a creative team that's two-thirds female, especially for a comic that is not, um, you know, like a woman's comic, you know? Like Yeah, shouts this. to Joe Duffy. Like, like Joe she's Duffy awesome. Writing, I really uh, like her presence. I actually have a newfound appreciation for her, too. Um, if you've watched uh, 616 on Disney+, Plus, right, the documentary series a lot of people are talking about, um, mm-hmm. she has a pretty good showing in the the episode they do about women and female creators i mean again like she does a very she does it's kind of like you said with the jim lee carl pot stuff uh the last time we talked about punisher like Mm -hmm. extremely competent i can tell it's a well-told story i just don't much care for the story yeah i suppose it's not your right um there's nothing crazy exciting about it i mean i do think too like i actually don't love uh zafina's art here i mean i think like actually the or zafino like the graphic novels from Marvel side, with the exception of one that we're going to read next year, um, mm-hmm. they they so often, which is Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment, and that's got yeah. Mike Mignola working with uh, Roger Stern, they so mm-hmm. often miss on the art in a weird way, where it's like supposed to be this prestige format, you know, where you'd think they'd really lean into like, well, if nothing else, this is the best looking comic on the stands this year. Yeah. And it's like, man, so often that's not the case. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting, like how, I don't know what they intended for this line, because it starts off, the first one, 
Jim Starlin, Death Captain Marvel. Classic. Need to read it. Uh, you got God Loves Man Kills, the debut of the New Mutants, right? You got some big names and some big works. And then it just becomes this, like, free-for-all, you know, of of just, like, it's not the biggest I mean, they creators. Are, they are churning them out, yeah. Sure. Yeah, they start I mean, this, coming this faster. This the 40th one, yeah. It's just, like, it, this the idea of this being, you know, what we now <laughs> think of as, like, your DC Black label or whatever. Like, it just doesn't come to fruition. You, okay, well, t- two things. I, I like the art, and I think it kind of is scratchy in that way that suits a Punisher comic. Uh, I was just uh, among I might the suit Marvel. a Wolverine comic. That is not Punisher's MO. <clears throat> but, um, Oh, God. All right. I, uh, I'm on, like, Marvel.fandom, the wiki here. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you, like, you know, the next issue, Marvel Graphic Novel 41, and I clicked on it to see what it was, what the next one is, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? There you go. There <laughs> so, you yeah, go. They're, they're really they're really churning them out. Let's um, also give Joe Duffy a shout for, like, her credits in the Marvel Universe. I was, I was going to call that out. Like, cause... Conan, Punisher. Oh, oh, not that she does a long run on Power Man and Iron Fist, which we read a little bit of. Star Wars, um, maybe? And, like, Wolverine right. stuff. Or was that Marie Severin who did Star Wars? One of them. No, eh. it was her. Joe Duffy did Star Wars. Star Wars. A ton of Star sure. Wars run, yeah. Yeah, they gave her a ton of ton of huge projects. Also, the the English adaptation of Naruto, which is pretty interesting. I wonder if oh. she speaks Japanese. I don't know if she translated it. But we'll have to ask just, her. Maybe she localized it. Um, I also liked the credits on this. This is uh, the literal credits. I think it's fun because they gave a splash page where they just did like drawings of all three creators and uh, in a little tiny bio about them, which I thought was fun. Like I would, uh, I'd appreciate that on more comics. Big fan of the bio, huh? Yeah. I mean, it does feel like what it should be on a graphic novel as opposed to yeah, like an exactly, especially comic. on these. Yeah. Uh, so, great. all right. Thank you, Justin, for uh, yeah, your thanks. support and for recommending the comic book. All right. Next time on Oof. my marvelous year, Oof, it's Dave. Be... I am not. I'm not excited. I'm. Are you getting hot? Set to, I'm already set to be grumpy about it. Yeah, you're getting Do a little the... hot and steamed. So hot yeah, in. So hot in here. I, how I how many times do you think I'm going to be doing that on our Inferno episodes? En- enough times. The answer was too many. You got it wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Inferno part one. That's right. We're going to do a two-part Inferno mm. coverage for our 89 coverage. So here's the thing. By the time you hear this episode, we'll be approaching a new year. That year will be 2021. And uh, we will be covering 1989 in six parts. And then when we're done with that, early 2021, it'll be about February, maybe March, uh, we will be getting into the 1990s, everybody's yeah. favorite decade of comics. I'm looking forward to it. I'm super pumped. But before we get there, we got to do Inferno Part 1 and Part 2. We got a really cool guest for Part 1. Part 1 is going to be all the X-Men stuff. And mm-hmm. then Part 2 is going to be all the not X-Men stuff, right? Yep. All the tie-ins. We finally got a big old tie-in that mm. isn't a train wreck, I think is fair to say. Uh, even if you come down on, oh, Inferno was fine, there's no way... We're going to walk away saying, yeah, this was like Secret Wars 2. <laughs> like, okay. I am certain of that. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's next. And you can find links I, to I the, everything uh, or listings of all the comics in the show notes. I, I see that in the, uh, the, the, the new updated spreadsheet, you removed mm-hmm. an event from this year. Can you? I, I actually was curious about this. I did? So can you t- talk about it? For, you took Atlantis Attacks out, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't need to read Atlantis Attacks. Um, so there's... Yeah, uh, that was... In we're coming up on a couple year. Marvel events... That we will not be reading as part of the club, which is new for us. Which is fine. I'm, I'm happy not to read the, like, subpar events. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the idea is, right? We're going to read through yeah. the most important and also best, right? So that blend of what do you need to have read and what is also quite good. And Atlantis Attacks does not hit either of those marks for me. Um, that series does do the thing that you love, Zach, where it generally runs through uh, various annuals of that, books yeah. in 1989. So if you want to find it and the reading order and check it out. Definitely let us know what you think. Um, but I did include that on the original club and this time around. I mean, we've already got six parts. Uh, and I, you know what I added instead for like episode uh, six is we're going to read all of Damage Control by Dwayne McDuffie and, and various collaborators, which I'm super excited. That is now in Marvel Unlimited and we get to read. And then we're going to read some sensational She-Hulk by your boy. John David Byrne. I don't know if his middle name is David. I don't know. I should not have given him my same name because I already <laughs> regret that. Um, but yeah, so those that, those will be that, interesting. Yeah. Those will yeah, be interesting. I, I reread Sensational She-Hulk number four for mm-hmm. the Stiltman special that mm-hmm. I did with uh, with David Harper. And uh, it the meta influences in writing is 
kind of so much better than we've seen done in Marvel. It's really compelling. I've, I, I've, I usually, so my only context for it is that like seeing individual screenshots shared on like Twitter and stuff of that, that are usually, like, well, that's the best way to read a comic. Funny. They say, yeah, yeah. Like you want to totally. take it in meme form uh, over the course but, of, but I mean, years. how many, how many of these comics like have jokes that can be shared, like basically as memes. So I'm um, uh, a couple of them have like, are very memorable. memorable. So is that true? Mm, it tries. Uh, all right. So I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him at line getting ratioed on Twitter at my marvelous for my year. very correct and true opinions. Uh huh. <laughs> As everyone yeah. agrees. Um. Yeah. And we're my marvelous year. You can find uh, again everything you want to read at my or patreon.com/slash my marvelous year. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will be back, and it will be getting hot in so hot in here. Right? It's not even that. Is that. Are, are you singing. So hot in. in. See you next year. See you next year. It's not how the song goes. <laughs> <laughs>